Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm flying home by Perisic. It's Eric Dyer. Bang! Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they did it! Yeah! What a strike by Bissouma. Audio's flying in again and wins it. Great work from Romero. What a save by Lloris. Jed Spence. Oh! Off the bar of Jonasson! Oh, guy, Kulaseski! The strike at Gasson! Scores! Crossing Kane! Can you truly believe this? Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Happy New Year. If you wasn't with us yesterday for what seems a continuation of what is happening to our football club at the moment, thank you so much for joining us. If you're listening to the show for the first time, you can find us on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're across all major audio platforms. We're, of course, on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. And joining me, my co-host, back with me for quite a number of shows coming up. I'll let him be the judge if that's a good or a bad thing for him in his life. We've got the wonderful Matty Hayes, runs a superb YouTube channel. Matt, love to be back on last one on Spurs. How are you other than Tottenham in your life at the moment? Other than Spurs, things are absolutely fantastic. Um, enjoyed the World Cup. Some other good football going on in other places. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll pretend that Spurs haven't played since it's been November. But um, Ricky, always a pleasure to, to be back on. You know, it's, it's been too long, but like you said, we'll... My face will be here quite a bit throughout the, the the transfer window, so I'm looking looking forward to that, and of course looking forward to another uh, another brilliant show at Lyon. Oh, listen, mate, thank you ever so much. Out this man, we have him on last one on Spurs. He always pops up during the transfer window season. I'm not convinced whether he actually ever enjoys coming on because there is always drama that seems to be happening behind the scenes at our great club. And poor this poor gentleman seems to get a lot of the flack of it in terms of why Spurs are not doing deals like it is. Again, and like it's like him that's holding the purse strings, which I do can't quite believe. We've got the wonderful Lyle Thomas from Sky Sports. Lyle, thank you so much for giving us your time. How are you, mate? Firstly, my pleasure. I'm good. Happy New Year. Good to see you guys. Here we are, another transfer window. Here we are again. Here we are again. <coughs> Unhappy Spurs fans, all of us jumping up and down, expecting lots to happen. Lyle, same as yeah. usual, right? 
I can imagine. Well, yeah, but listen, I yeah, I, I, hopefully I can cut through some of the uh, doom and gloom and uh, you know bring some sort of objectivity and measure to it. I think it's not all doom and gloom from where I'm sitting, but I can understand why Spurs fans are unhappy, of course. But um, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not like I said, not all doom and gloom. Not in my opinion. I mean, I think there's still plenty of positives to to, to look at. But hopefully, I mean, I might be going out on a limb on my own here, but gauging some of the how things are on social media at the moment. I mean, it seems a bit toxic on Tottenham social media at the moment. Yes, no, seems like yeah, it seems like one of the gates of hell. You don't want to go anywhere near. But yeah, I think yeah, I think um, there's listen. Obviously, we'll get into it in more detail. But um, you know, I think Tottenham have still come a long way in the last year. If you can, if you take sit back and take stock to where we were when we were last January, when we were sitting here, obviously Conte had been in for a little while and things were looking up, weren't they? But Tottenham was still sort of looking, for, you know, outside the top four and were not looking like a top four team. And then they, they, they'd been made into a top four team and they're still there or thereabouts. And there's still a very, very long way to go. I mean, I know, I know it feels like we're further into the season because we're now in January, but if you actually think about the number of games played, we're not actually that far into the season yet. So, you know, you have to sort of think about that for a second, that actually we're more sort of in November in terms of matches than we are in terms of January. Everyone's thinking, oh, this sounds sounds awful sadness. For you telling me there's more games to come, I don't know it's meant to cheer me up or make me feel worse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's more games to come, obviously, for this bad patch of form to be turned around. So, let's let's get into it and I'll drink my... Absolutely. Mate, listen... Okay, thank you so much. And um, Lyle, listen, we're very lucky on last one's Spurs. We're getting new listeners, uh, new viewers all the time. Do you just want to give a bit of a background, Lyle, and your role at Sky and essentially what you cover there? Well, my, my um, role has actually changed since the last time that we, we spoke. So you, you can take the assistant out of my name. So I'm now a news editor rather than assistant news editor. So that's 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 a good thing. We've got right? a promotion. So, We've got a promotion. Got a promotion. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you very much. Um, yeah, so that's that's a good thing. Um, and uh, it just, yeah, it means more of a, a responsible role on the news desk day to day. And I'm still coordinating our transfer news gathering. So, um, yeah, the, as, as the sort of, you know, the, the, the nucleus in the middle and, and, and making sure that we're chasing the right stories and, um, and, and chasing the right information and bringing that information in, making sure we're on top of things and, you know, basically a news editor, but just specializing in transfers for the, for the transfer window. So I'm doing that as well. That's my job at the moment. And uh, yeah, today was effectively day one. No Bank Holiday Monday for me. And like I say, mate, again, we massively appreciate it. We are recording on Bank Holiday Monday. It is the evening after the night before. You know, I went to bed at 3am last night and I was sitting there thinking, you just don't know what's around the corner with this football club. And maybe, like I say, having you on here, someone that offers an outside perspective can maybe give us just a bit of optimism that there is some good things around the corner. I just think being closely connected to Spurs is probably me and Matt are with regards to watching every game and having to analyse a lot of the games. I think you sometimes lose yourself within as to what is quite happening right now. So let's get into it. As you've said, look, um, January transfer window is now open. And I think obviously Spurs, you'd hope we'll be looking to gain some momentum with some new additions to come, hopefully in this window to really bolster their options. I think probably the biggest question at the moment is surrounding where we are going as a club. Direction, really, I think, is always a case where at Tottenham, and that is my little one in the background, just announcing himself that you'll be going to bed, hopefully, in the next 15 minutes with, with some luck. <laughs> um, we're, we're obviously, I think, like I say, the direction is a real concern at the moment. It just feels like there's a lack of structure on the pitch, maybe as well as off it at the moment. And 
I think that summed up really the mood of just the nature of that performance against Aston Villa yesterday from what we saw, the 2-0 defeat. Can you just give us an idea, if you can, Lyle, before we get into transfers and what could happen in this window of what the mood is like behind the scenes at Tottenham? I think that's probably one of the aspects which I think many would be interested to know. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's difficult to ascertain inside 24 hours of the game because obviously I think, you know, people at Tottenham have not been very... Um, in Tottenham, around Tottenham, not very keen to chat today. It's not been a very good 24 hours for them after that game. Um, I think the first thing to say is, obviously, I understand why Tottenham fans are annoyed at the moment. I mean, there's mul multiple facets to that. Um, you know, first and foremost, the performances, right? You know, I think Tottenham traditionally, and Tottenham fans traditionally, are okay with a, a bad result here and there if the team is playing good football and attractive football and, you know, exciting football to watch and, and and you know these displays recently have been a bit flat. Obviously, they've been very slow to start for a long time. Going behind in games two nil, you know, thinking you know quite a lot of the games uh, recently, and having to claw their way back. And just yesterday was sort of the the one that they didn't claw their way back in really. Um, so it's it all been sort of coming to a head, I think, hadn't it? Over a period of time, Tottenham had sort of been grinding out some results here and there, not playing very well. Um, you know, not play, playing any sort of glamorous football, really, and it just not looking like it was clicking very well, very much. So I can see why, you know, why why supporters would be very frustrated with that. Um, also, obviously, I have to say, obviously, there's an added frustration that the team down the road that are vehemently hated are also sitting pretty on the top of the league and playing exciting football at the same time. So that's obviously a, another source of very very deep frustration, which I understand as well. Um, so, you know, on that side of things, it, it, it isn't very good at the moment. But then on the other hand, like I said, if you, you sit back and take stock about where Tottenham have come in the last 12 months, you know, Antonio Conte yesterday called it a miracle. You could almost call it a miracle, really, given the squad that he inherited and, um, you know, how far, that far they've come in a short space of time. I mean, he would say that because it's, you know, to the most extent he's doing, right? And he obviously wants more to happen uh, he wants more more the club to commit more um uh, especially in the transfer window and and um and improve the squad so but this was always a process i mean they've, they've, they've spoken about this being a process for for since the beginning right he's always he always said it wasn't going to take one transfer window it would take two or three transfer windows for them to you know refresh the squad that they've got and bring in more quality and i think that that is the case i think that in the in the in the last two windows they've obviously brought in players those players have improved the team. I mean, have they improved the, the the excitement of the performances? No, but they have improved results because Spurs, you know, a year ago were not where they are now, right? I mean, what Tottenham in the table? Okay, they've dropped out of the they dropped out of the top four recently, but they're still just a point behind, still within touching distance of of second place. Um, I don't know how many points it is. I think it's only the four. What is it? Four or six points from Man City. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're not that far away. And if it, if and when it clicks and results pick up again, then they can have another push into the top four as last year. So I think Tottenham are in a good position in the league. They are in a good position um, in terms of achieving top four again. But obviously people are frustrated that the performances are not that pleasurable to watch. And nobody likes losing at home to Aston Villa, right? So absolutely. It's the nature of it, Lars. That's I the think nature of it, yeah. Absolutely. Now on the head it's there, the understandable. Of, I think it's the understandable. Like, yeah, I think the problem that I said yesterday is that, look, there's a number of aspects around Tottenham that I know many people are unhappy with when it comes to maybe the, the aspect of the lack of investment to some degree from the board to maybe the manager being showing an inflexibility to the current system where he's adamant 
that's the way he wants to play. Mm. And I think if, if you're going to play that way, then you also have to have the players to do that. And I know we're going to come on to this, but I, I just feel at the moment Spurs do not have the players in general to fit a Conte system. So you're asking for a compromise from either the board to give Conte the money to improve the squad, or you're asking for a compromise from Antonio Conte mm. to change and flex his system, which as we stand right now, he doesn't seem like he wants to do. And yeah. I think that's what leads to what we're seeing right now is a really toxic mood online. Yes. And yes. at times in that stadium yesterday, a very toxic mood, which then filters through to the players, which is difficult yes. because I think going to that stadium and you're paying the best part of 80, 90 pounds to go and watch the team. I yeah. think it does also reflect that the players have to give the fans something to cheer about. Oh, and Absolutely. I think when you're watching the style at the moment, it's very hard to get behind that as a mm -hmm. fan. And I, I, again, I, I totally understand that players need to play in a conducive atmosphere. I understand that. But also it is down to the players to create an atmosphere, to give the fans something to cheer about. And I think that's the concern at the moment. So, yeah, I think that those are the overall concerns which, you should, which you've shared there. Like Spurs aren't a million miles away from the top four. But at the same time, it feels that as a club at the moment, we are lacking a real sense of direction and purpose. And I think the biggest thing, which I know we'll come on to, is that it feels that we're in a situation right now where Conte doesn't want to commit to Tottenham because we're in the middle or just starting a January transfer window where maybe if he feels he'll commit, he may not get what he wants to some degree. And Tottenham feel they may not want to commit to Conte because they're concerned about what the future looks like. So there's got to be an emphasis of shift here, hasn't there? You know, someone's got to yeah, commit to someone to take this forward. Yeah, I think it you know, performances-wise, it, it's been coming to a head, right? Because you can't keep going 2-0 down in every game and get away with it. You just can't. I mean, they've been getting away with it for ages, really. Um, so, yeah, in terms of performances and, 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 you know, toxic sort of mood in the in the stadium, yeah, that, that you know, I think Conte said yesterday, didn't he, that he, he saw this situation coming or something he knew, you know. So, here we are, right? But um, in terms of, in, you know, investment in the squad, I mean, if you sort of sit back and look at Tottenham, in terms of the other teams, the situation they have is there are teams, there are certain teams around them. Obviously, Newcastle has joined that, who have the money to, you know, almost an unlimited amount of funds to keep investing in the squad. And really, what you have now is a situation where, if you want to compete for a place in the top four and compete for a, a, a silverware, you're looking like you have to invest north of a hundred million pounds every season, every summer, in some new players. Because the best players are costing at least 50, 60, 70 million pounds or more, right? So there are only a limited number of clubs that can do that. I mean, even Liverpool can't do that. And they've been up there, you know, competing for titles for the last however long. And they're in a similar situation that they're not in a position to be spending hundreds of millions of pounds every year. I mean, they've put, they've put a, a chunk of the club up for sale. They're looking for investment because they know that. Because they've realised that that they they don't they can't find those funds from nowhere to com, to commit that amount of money to reinvesting in the squad every year just to have a shot at the title. You know, I mean, obviously you can't buy a title, right? But you have to invest to give yourself the chance of having a shot at the title. So if you think about it from that their point of view, and Tottenham are in a similar situation. I mean, that money's got to come from somewhere. Hundreds of millions of pounds to invest every summer. I mean, they they invested just just over a hundred million in the summer. That's that's, I mean, they would argue that that is a, a good sum of money to invest in the squad. And also that they, I think Conte has been conveying the message that it would take a number of different, a number of transfer windows for them to do that. So 
they can't just commit 200 million in one window. It's going to have to be 100 million in one window and then a little bit more the next window, a little bit more the next window. And then obviously any, any one they might sell um, can also be reinvested. But Tottenham, have, you know, if you think about club models and the way club models are, I mean, Tottenham are not currently a model where they're able to sell their best assets for big money, right? I mean, they could do that a few years ago when they were sort of up and coming. They were buying players for less money, making them into marquee signings and selling them on and then looking to reinvest that money. Now they've lifted themselves up to a more elite club. You know, that money's got to come from somewhere else rather than um, rather than selling players, you know, unless you're going to sell Harry Kane for £100 million, which they obviously weren't willing to do. So, you know, obviously the things like the naming rights are coming up. If When that gets settled, then obviously that will be a huge influx of investment into the club, money that will be able to be used to reinvest in the squad as well. But you know, that's not been finalised yet. I'm not, you know, I'm not aware of when that, that might happen. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure there will be other revenue streams that we'll be looking at in the future, but... I think Spurs would argue that they invested plenty of money. Whether that money was invested in the right places is another question. You know, you can invest a lot of money, but you're still going to buy the right players. You can invest a lot of money in the wrong players. A lot of clubs have done that. So that's that's the key to it for me is not necessarily how much Spurs are investing, but what they're investing in. And, and are they investing in the right players? Are they choosing the right players? I think they're starting to do that with Paratici. But I think before that, they didn't. So what they what they're having to do is fix a lot of the effectively questionable decisions or poor decisions over buying certain players that haven't worked out since the end of the Pochettino era. They're now having to fix that. Really, they brought players in that haven't been good enough, or have had the wrong attitude, or both, and they're now having to recycle the squad and bring fresh faces in, and that's what's taking time. And, and it taking more than just just one transfer window, right? And um, I guess, yeah, I mean, that's just the nature of it. That's just the way it is at the moment, and 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 it's it's painful. It's painful to watch, right? While they're going through this process, but at the same time, and I hate to I hate to make this um, this comparison, um, but Arsenal went through that as well. Arsenal went through a, a long and painful journey to get where they are now. You know, even under since they went through, you know, Unai Emery and then the early days of Mikel Arteta when they were languishing around, you know, sort of mid-table and everybody was very frustrated and people were calling for Arteta to be sacked and people were complaining about the players that they 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 signed and over a period of a number of transfer windows, they've now got to a point where they've got a team that is totally buys into the way they want to play and is loving every minute of it. And that's put them where they are. So that's really what Tottenham have got to find. I mean, not necessarily copying the, the Arsenal way of playing or copying the Arsenal uh, model, but investing in the right players, in the right positions, who buy into that way of playing, the Conte way of playing, and can reap the benefits of that. And then performances will improve from there. And obviously, we're still in that process. So that's my assessment of it at the moment, to try and be as fair and balanced about it as, as possible. I, yeah, I think a, a lot of what you said there, and a lot of what some of the comments are, are coming through with as well, is just is just managing expectations because it's it's so easy to to, to get carried away when you know, with the way we were playing towards the end of last season, but getting into the Champions League with with some of the results we had, it's especially with a manager like Antonio Conte, it's so easy to think, well, well, well this is it, that's it, we're we're where we want to be. But my favorite phrase in football is that things are never as good as they are, as good as they seem, but they're also never as bad as they seem. Now the nature of supporting Spurs is that's proven true every nine months, but. 
you know, it's it's we just need to to realize that, that it is a process and, and there is a a path that we, that we need to go on in order to, to get to that place that we want to be. And you, you touched on there a few of the comments that Antonio Conte, um, a few of the points that he made uh, after that game against Aston Villa, you know, he hit, he hit out at the, the crazy expectations that have been that have been placed in this Tottenham side. And he said that ultimately we're a club that might need 14, 15 quality players that, that needs to be spending 50 to 70 million, we're buying 50 to 70 million pound players um, every every season if we want to become those serious contenders. And, you know, we, we've just suffered our fourth loss in, in seven games in the league. We've conceded more than one goal in a seventh consecutive game for the first time since 1988. And we've gone 1-0 down in each of our last 10 games. So things are not good. Conte is clearly, you know, growing very, very frustrated with that, like we are. Do you think what he has said and the, the kind of harsh words that he's that he's put towards the club in, in, in the media, do you think that will affect the way the club are going to approach the transfer market? And, and further on to that, would it affect it in a positive or negative way? Because you can see how the club, like Ricky said, might not be willing to commit to a manager who clearly has a lot of doubts. But you also might see that they could think, OK, well, we need to put this money in in order for, for something to actually happen. Mm, yeah, um, I think, well, I mean, the first thing to say is I think that his public comments are, well, almost certainly the same as his private comments to the club. So I don't think his public comments will necessarily... Um, change things because it doesn't sound like he's saying anything that he hasn't already said to the said to the club internally right i mean it sounds like he's pretty open and honest about his assessment of what they need to do um and you know it's up to them to 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 follow that all all or not you know i think his assessment of where the club is is pretty fair um i wouldn't necessarily agree but then again he's in a much more qualified position than i am really to say that they need 50, 60, 70 million pound players to do that. I mean, there are obviously gems out, out there to be unearthed um, as, as as many clubs have for, for less than that. But I know what he means. I mean, his general point is that this is the this is the, the, the ballpark figure of what quality players are worth these days, even quality young players. I mean, um, especially if you're going to buy them, you know, domestically, they're sort of the best up and coming players at the, at the other clubs, the clubs that are outside the top six or the top eight that's how much money that they're going to cost that's just the 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 yeah the the that's just where the market's at um so i think it's a he yeah. refers to this word. I'm sorry to cut in there. He refers right. to obviously this this, this word the policy you know the policies that are looking to buy players that are young and upcoming maybe not necessarily ready right now mm-hmm. but conte is a manager that clearly wants to work with players that are ready now. And this, again, is, you know, and just for, the, just for a lot of the viewers and listeners here, we know we've got about 700, 800 of you watching us live here. We are going to ask Lau about Pedro Porro. Don't worry, we are going to ask Lau about key players. But we just want to discuss where we are with Antonio Conte first because he is the manager of the football club. And before we start talking about players, it would be good to know where we stand with the manager before we start talking about A, B and C of players. And this is why I'm really keen to understand, Lau, whether you know or have heard anything behind the scenes, whether somebody has gone back on their word or if the goalposts have been changed. Because what I can't quite understand is that when you go to talk to Antonio Conte in terms of him being your manager, you know very well, the same as when you approach Jose Mourinho, that you have to give them exactly what they want in order for them to be successful. That's just the case. He doesn't want an alternative. He doesn't want player B, C. He wants player A. He wants that precise player. And if you don't give them exactly what they want, then it isn't ever going to work. So what I'm just trying to understand is, is that we're now 
what are we? We're, we he got appointed in November of twenty. What are we now? 20, 2021, November twenty twenty one. Am I right? I'm losing my years now. November twenty twenty one. So just over a year now. We're 13, 14 months in. I don't know why we why we shouldn't be having this conversation when we should all know where the goalposts were at the time of him coming in. We know what he wants. We know what he expects. So I'm baffled as to... Well, I'm not baffled because it's Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. I'm not baffled at all. But I'm just trying to understand what is, why we're in this situation because we know what his intentions are. We know what he needs. It's either back him to what he needs to get us to where we want to be or don't bother. And it should have been a case where we should never have approached him in the first place if we're not willing to go with his ideology. Do you see where I'm coming from, Lyle? This is what I'm just trying to understand. Is, has the goalpost been moved at all in the last 18 or sorry, 14 months where there's been a change from what he was told at the beginning to coming in to what hmm. is the vision now? Because he's making it clear from his perspective that Spurs can only sign players, in his opinion, that are young upcoming and it's part of a policy of the club. Is that not what he was expecting? Do we know that? Well, I think that it's I think it's a balance. I don't think that necessarily the goalposts have changed. I think he's always understood that. If you if you listen to his comments and listen to what he says, it's quite clear that he understands that the club that he's at. He understands you know, he said many times that Tottenham are a you know are a club that will be looking to invest in younger some younger players and and bringing them on and you know is is not in a position to be, you know, paying for the um, the, the hundred million pound players in the same way that your Man City's are or, or your Chelsea's are or, or what have you. I think he knows and said that it's a process and we'll take a few transfer windows and, and to get there, right? So I think he, I think he understands. I don't think the goal posts have changed either. But also I think it's a balancing act, and I think he gets that as well. I think he realizes that, you know, as much as he will want to bring in ready-made players, these 14, 15 players, you can do it right now. He will also want to bring it, you know, he'll also be where the club wants to bring in players, younger players to develop them um, for the future. And I think if you're certainly if you're Paratici and, you, you know, your your job is to make sure the squad is as good as it can be now and in the future, you need to be doing both things. Right. Even the top clubs do that. I mean, look at Chelsea at the moment. They're investing in some of the biggest young talent there is. You know, They're committing so much money to that. And these players are under no illusions that they're going to come and and uh, and, and play straight away. So. It's a balancing act between what the club wants and what Paratici's role as a sporting director and what Conte wants now, obviously. Um, and I think it suits, it suits, um, certainly suits Conte, I think, for there to be some uncertainty over his situation and uh, uncertainty over his future because there's always that element of, you know, having to, to him pushing for what, you know, he wants and Spurs, if they want to keep him, having to give him what he wants. So it's, it, you know, it puts him in a good position really to have that element of uncertainty over his future at the moment, I think, to push for more of what he wants. And managers are always going to do that. Of course they are. They're always going to push for for more of what they want, exactly the players that they want, exactly the amount of money. And, and it's it's a balancing act between what, what they want and what the club can provide, right? Um, but I don't think he's under any illusions or has been... Uh, I certainly don't think he's been, you know, given any false promises that are suddenly being... You know, reneged on. That's not that's not the, the the situation as I understand it. No, and I think Spurs will look to improve the team um, when and as much as they can. You know, in terms of depending on you know out of money that they've got. I mean, they've obviously been looking at Pedro Porro recently. There's some interest there. I mean, it's cool for now because, as I've just reported um, on Sky, that um, you know, Sporting are quite insistent that they pay this this release clause. 
And I'm sure some fans might say, we'll just pay the release clause. But Yeah, that's what the reaction will be from Spurs fans when you do hear the reports, Lala, no offence, that stadium is generating a huge amount of money. It's got concerts, it's got boxing there. And I think, again, it's quite telling that, you know, we haven't yet seen the financial results drop for the year. And we're now the 2nd of January 2023. Look, again, nobody knows those results until they're released. So we can't make up those figures. The figures are going to be the figures. But I think that is the biggest concern that, if that's a player that Conte wants and you know the asking price, go and pay the asking price for the player. That's who he wants. I mean, that this is, yeah. again, a it's a difficult one because, again, Spurs might feel that release clause is overpriced. Do you see what I'm mm-hmm. coming from? But if that's a player the manager wants and he needs to work with him early, and bear in mind Spurs have got City twice, I think, this month, Arsenal, massive important FA Cup game, a North London derby, as I say, this is a massive month for the club, and I don't think they can afford to do what they did last January and wait to the last two days. And we got very lucky last January, if I'm being honest with you, because of how good Bentacore and Kuliseski fit with the club. Hmm, yeah, we might not get that luck again. It's also a market, right? So if you overpay for players, you also raise the value of other players you might want to sign. So you have to remember that at the same time, it's a market, right? So if if you feel that the selling club has been unrealistic in their expectations and the valuation of the player then for the sake of the market and for the sake of the other players you might want to sign both now and in the future, you don't overpay for players. You know, you, you, the, the, there are many independent minds that clubs will seek to give them an appraisal and evaluation of a player and, and to come up with a figure that, that works, right? And, and you know, I can see why Sporting Lisbon are holding on to him for dear life because he's been one of their best players this season. He's young talent, you know, up and coming, and they obviously feel that he's worth that. And if he's got a release clause, they're going to fight tooth and nail to have that paid, especially where the Premier League is concerned as well. If you think about the way that the attitudes towards the Premier League from clubs on the continent is very much, well, you've got more money than anyone else, any other club, any other countries at the moment. So this is what he's, this is what we think he's worth. So you better pay it. And you know that that that's, that's their right to do that, right? But if Spurs feel that the, 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 the value, even if it's a release clause, is is um, is unrealistic, then you know should they go and pay that for a player that's then going to have a knock-on effect on the rest of the market and also you know cause them to overpay for players? I'm not going to do that. So you know I think the way I engage at the moment, the the, the, the situation is that the valuation is a bit unrealistic, and uh, considering you know how many games he's played and um, you know where he is in the market, what position he is. And so, yeah, that interest is called for now. That doesn't necessarily mean they won't pick that interest back up um, towards the end of the window. He's obviously a player they like very much. They've also got a situation where they've got three right backs currently as well. So, you know, if they're going to bring another one in, at least one of those has to has to move on. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's 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 um, it's a lot more complicated. It's easy for people to sit back and say, "Well, it's only this amount of millions of pounds. It's only that amount of millions of pounds." But it's not just whether you have the money or not. It's also, like I said, it's a market and and everything you pay and every valuation of a player has a knock-on effect for the rest of the market that can affect you detrimentally. So that will be part of it as well. You know, not just I, I the case I'm, of Spurs being stubborn and not wanting to pay. It's not as simple as that. I think on, on, on the price of players as well, it, just personally, I feel a, a bit of a mistake that Spurs made was, was so publicly announcing, oh yeah, we have 150 million that were put into the club here. For, for transfers and it's it's a stick that Tottenham fans are, are using to but I don't think they said that they were always going to pay all of that spend all of that did they I know yeah. never remember them saying that, that I think that was sort of taken as a given 
mm-hmm. by by supporters and by perhaps some some you know writers and and and, and members mm-hmm. of the media who maybe you know misinterpreted or got slightly cross wires that they said mm-hmm. they were they said they were investing 150 million back into the football club i don't think that it was ever candidly said that every single penny of that would be spent on transfers but I think actually, if you tot it up, and if you tot up the money that they also committed to actually buying Romero, Christian Romero, even though that that deal was agreed before, if you add that to it, that does take take the um, the total that they, they they spent in the summer up towards the 150 million mark. So, yeah, um, you know, I think that with the best of intentions, I think that, that it was. Yeah, it was it was a show that we are willing to commit money, and they did commit that money. Like, but like I said, that brings us back round to the real question for me is not how much you invest, but what do you invest it on? Mm-hmm. So if you if you want, you know, I think that's a more interesting thing to get into. Really, is have they made the right decisions on buying certain players? Certain players, I think yes. Other players, I think you know, not. I don't think they made the right decision because, you know, obviously Jed Spence, for example. Really good, talented youngster, talented right back. Um, was he worth twenty-five million pounds? Not so sure. Coming out of the championship, but clearly a talent. But if you're going to commit 25, 25 million pounds to something in that window, I think Spurs should have committed twenty-five million pounds to something that would be playing someone who would be playing every week. So perhaps that twenty-five million pounds could have been better spent elsewhere on somebody that was going to be playing every week. So I mean that that that's a particular, that, you know, it's really only the only one particular decision actually in the summer market I can think of that I would put a huge question mark over whether that was the right one, especially when they already had two right backs in the club. Do you expect that him money... to go on loan out of interest? Just Spence before Matt comes back in there. Do you expect Spence to leave this window and go on loan because the lack of game time? Told can't be doing... Right, you you're told that he's not going to be going on loan as things stand. That's what I've been told by my sources so far. Is that as things stand at the moment, he's not going anywhere. Right. Okay. But, you know whether that changes towards the end of the window. You know, let's see. Uh, again, it, right. I think it, I think that will depend on what happens in that position, because okay. players are obviously been looking at yeah. this Pedro Porro quite quite seriously for a time, yeah. and obviously that's cool for the for the moment. Doesn't mean it's off the table completely, but at the moment it's not happening. It's not advancing. So if something does happen there, then you know maybe the potential for Spencer going on loan comes back around on the table. But at the moment, I'm told no. That probably leads us into the positions, Matty. Probably very nice mm-hmm. if you're on this segue. Yeah, look, the the right wing back dilemma is reportedly only only fifty percent of the the battle that Tottenham could be fighting in the in the January transfer window. Um, there's reports that Tottenham's two priorities for the window is one right wing back and a new attacking player. Um, we've seen other reports as well that Tottenham could could approach this w- window in a similar way to to the January window last year when we signed one player on a permanent deal and one on a loan with an option slash obligation to buy with uh, Dejan Kulisevsky. Um, in, in terms of those positions, first of all, Lyle, with a, a right wing back and an attacking player, are those the same positions that you're hearing Tottenham will be looking to to bring in this window? Well, an attacking player yeah, is certainly something that they want as well, yeah, because uh, you know they were trying for other players, weren't they, in the summer and didn't get them. You know, the obvious one that I reported on at the time was Anthony Gordon, the one they were trying to do at the same time as they were doing Richarlison. Now, you know, Anthony Gordon is is still a player that Spurs really, really like a lot. I mean, I hear Paratici really, really loves him. You know, he's one of his one of his favourite players in the Premier League that they don't have. Um, and, I mean, the problem is that his valuation has not necessarily dropped, really. Um, he's, you know, he's, 
his form's not as been as good, I don't think, this year as it was at the back end of last year. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's difficult to see whether the Anthony Gordon would come in in this window. I think, um, you know, we need to see how the rest of the season plays out, I think, for him, just because his valuation, I think, would be too high and he'd just be too valuable to Everton. I mean, they obviously really, really want to keep him. But, yeah, he's one they were looking at. They wanted Spurs. Uh, Malinowski, the one at Atalanta, was another one they had a look at doing um, that didn't happen in the summer. Whether that one comes back around as well will be interesting to see. Um, you know, he had a year left in the summer. Now he's only got six months, so he can. I think he can talk to to other clubs this month. I think I'm right in saying he's only got six months left. Um, so you know, yeah, let's see if that one comes back around at the moment. I'm, you know, I'm not aware of that they're active on any attackers at the moment, but it is a position that they want to uh, want to strengthen. And there is there is a gap there because obviously Brian Hill played yesterday. Um, and I think, you know, if they'd have brought someone in the summer, then Brian Hill wouldn't be in the club. He would be on loan at Valencia probably. So, or maybe even permanently in Valencia. So, um, you know, uh, I think that there's definitely a gap there that Spurs need to bring in another player um, who can compete in those places and hopefully raise the level of the players that are already there as well by giving them that threat of not playing every week. And that's obviously the, why you want two players for every position, right? Um, so, yeah, somebody... Um, Somebody who's quite creative in that in those positions, I would have thought. Someone who can play in, uh, behind the striker, but you know, players are sort of in those those two tens position if the width is coming from the wing backs, you know. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. I mean, listen, there's so many names around flying around in those positions, um, but like you'll I know said, the favourable names, Lol. The likes of Alexis McAllister, James Madison. I mean, I think Alexis McAllister's come out today and said that you know he's quite happy at Brighton. He's in no rush to make a move. James Madison, I think he has only got a couple of years left on his deal. It looked like Newcastle were quite close to him during the summer window. Those two names, anything? Yeah, Madison, Madison's been been one that Tottenham have looked at for years. I mean, they, they looked at bringing him in when he went to Norwich. Um, I think they looked at him again when he went to Leicester um, and whether we'd be ready, he'd be ready for them. And when it, whether they do it now, I, um, I'm not sure. Um, again, you know, buying players from the Premier League halfway through a season again is very costly um he'll have a big valuation on him um i mean another one that newcastle looked at in the summer may look at again is pulisic from chelsea um but well i'm not aware that he's on spurs radar i mean obviously there's you know there is a there are there is a sort of a bit of a reset with chelsea obviously now they're under new ownership so Certainly, any bad blood between uh, Chelsea and Tottenham in the past, I think a lot of that is sort of war under the bridge because of, um, or certainly, certainly in terms of the clubs, where the clubs are concerned, because so many personnel have moved on from Chelsea and it's really a you know new club in many ways. Um, but again, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that you know Spurs are going to go after Christian Pulisic. I'm not whether they will or, or not. But in terms of the, the 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 profile of the player, you know, that's the kind of player that we're talking about, right? I think it, it, there's a question that has been maybe thrown up in the air a little bit more when you're looking at the, the calibre of players there. You go from Anthony Gordon to, to someone more established, kind of like a Pulisic or a Madison or, or a McAllister. Do you think the club in, in that position in particular would be looking to to buy a ready-made player or is that maybe a position that Conte is maybe willing to compromise in bringing in a younger player like an Anthony Gordon who still is in need of developing but could have that impact where you said of just putting that pressure at least on the, the first players to up that, that kind of standard from there? Well, it depends what what that player gives you, right? I mean, Anthony Gordon ticks a lot of boxes, and that's one of the reasons why they were after him. Because not only is he someone that could come in and do it straight away, I think, 
I mean, I think he's a future England international, Anthony Gordon, on his day. I think he's very, very good. Um, and I think under the right coach, he could be developed into a real top player. In a similar way to Richarlison, was was good at Everton. But since he's moved to Spurs, he's been very good and, and very good for Brazil as well. And I think this, it will be similar with, with Gordon if he came in, to be honest. Um, but he's also young. He's also English. That's not, not English, but he's also a homegrown player. Um, so... You know, he ticks us a number of boxes for the from the club's point of view and the manager's point of view. But then, as you start working your way down the list, obviously, you know, less of those boxes are ticked. So you might have, you know, the young thing ticked, but he might not be have the the pedigree that you want, or you might have some of the pedigrees not quite as young. So it's a it's a it's a balancing act between, you know, everybody in the club finding the right player that suits suits everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Law, thank you so much so far. We're halfway through the inquest. And just for everybody that's watching <laughs> this right now live, there's about 900 of you across all of our platforms. I will say we do have a... Uh, Always do have the uh, the name round at the end where Lyle gets a countdown of 50 names thrown at him. Yeah, the quick fire round. The quick fire round, as Lyle referred to. I've been doing this for seven years on last one on Spurs. Still still loves it. Still loves it. Um, We're joined (laughs) by the wonderful Matty Hayes and the brilliant news editor, Lyle Thomas from Sky Sports, giving his, his time as we open up the January transfer in here on last one on Spurs by, like I say, Lyle Thomas. Lyle, thank you so much so far. So, look, you've given us an idea there of the players Spurs are going to be looking at. You touched upon that right wing back area. I'm just maybe keen to understand, you know, we are, you'd say, overloaded in that area at the moment. We've got Emerson Royale, Matt Doherty, Jed Spence. As far as things stand at the moment, you say, as far as you're aware, Jed Spence isn't going anywhere. But we'll be keen to know from you if that you feel is the same stance for Matt Doherty, who had a good second half to last season before a horrendous challenge by Matty Cash on him has left him trying to basically rebuild if I'm being honest with you, his fitness, his position back in the team. And Emerson Royale, who, if I'm going to put it kindly, I think Spurs fans probably, that's a player they're probably willing to leave the club if there's a buyer out there. Do you expect any movement from Matt Doherty or Emerson Royale during this January window? Well, I think they'd be open to offers um, for for Matt. I think they were open to offers for him in the summer. Um, You know, like you said, he's not quite uh, done it. Tottenham in general, I don't think he's not quite hit the promise that they they would have thought hoped they, that he would. Um, and there's a, yeah, there's, there's there's various reasons for that. Obviously, injuries play a part in that. Um, to be fair to to Matt Doherty, um, I think it's definitely an area of concern for for Conte because he doesn't seem to be able to settle on one player that he prefers in that position. I mean, you probably argue maybe slightly Emerson at least in the beginning of the season, but 
you know, I think that's just simply because he was the best of, of what was available, right? Um, you know, the thing about Conte's system is that the fullbacks are so important and they play such a specific role. And it's such a unique way, I think, really, that he gets his wing backs to play. I mean, he wants them in the box, scoring goals, arriving late, you know, like an old like an old fashioned, you know, number eight midfielder would arrive late into the box from either side. You know, that that I think that there's probably a limited number of of wing backs or full backs in the world that can already play the way he wants them to play. Um so that's probably a hindrance is is finding a player who who either already plays like that. Because I mean if you look at the players that he's had at different clubs, he's converted wingers into those positions. I mean the best players he's arguably had in those positions were Perisic on the left and Victor Moses on the right in, in uh, Inter and also Victor Moses at Chelsea as well. And both of those were wingers. So, you know, trying to find uh, players who are willing to play that position uh, in the way that he wants, I think is a, is a bit of a challenge. And I think he's, I don't see that he's satisfied certainly with what he has on the, on the right hand side. So I think it's clear that that's an area that they need to sort out. And if certainly if they're going to try and bring in a Poro or somebody else, then you know one or two even may have to may have to move on or will have to move on. So I think if any of them, I think I would tip Doherty probably to be more likely. Well, look, I mean, we, we, we've already touched on, on Pedro Poro as a potential replacement. Um, there's a few other other names that Spurs have been linked to in this window. If one of those right wing backs are to be moving on, there's Monaco's uh, Vanderson. There's Denzel Dumfries, uh, a player from from Inter Milan, and Malo Gusto as well from Leon. Do you know if any of these players are of interest to Spurs, or are they just, you know, the the, the typical names that are being thrown around because of who we're looking for? Um, well, you mentioned Dumfries. I mean, these are all players that Spurs are certainly aware of. Dumfries is an interesting one, obviously, because he's played at Inter, and yeah, he's one that the Premier League have been aware of for a while. I mean, he's been a Dutch international. Um, he was at PSV before and did well there. I know a few clubs were looking at him when he was at PSV. I think Tottenham were actually looking at him when he was at PSV. I think I remember that, actually. I think that was in the Pochettino days they had a look at that. But I didn't think he was quite quite ready. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't expect um, Dumfries to move anywhere this uh, this window. I, I, you know, I know Chelsea are also interested in him. Um, but what I've been told is that he's expected to stay put um, and that Chelsea might be looking elsewhere at right, right backs themselves um, this month. So, I, you know, I would expect um, Dumfries to stay, but um, he looks like he's ready for the Premier League now, I think, Dumfries. Um, and the other one you mentioned is Vanderson, I think the Monaco one. Yeah, he's somebody I know that Brentford have tracked for a very, very long time, Vanderson. I know they were interested in him um, before they signed uh, Hickey. Um, another good, you know, young player for the future. Um, more of a development one, I think. Um, I think Dumfries would be more of a, an, an elite established player to come in if he did rather than Vanderson. But yeah, I mean, listen, I'm aware of anything particularly on those just players that they'll come aware of. Yeah, I can hear the frustration building every time Lark goes, It's a good one for the future, it's another good one for the future. <laughs> yeah. I'll just say that now. To, to the, 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 the anger is raging right now. Um, look, I think what's interesting, Lark, I mean, center back is one of those positions where. I think as fans, I don't. I, I, again, I don't know if it's, it's the same, and we we feel this. So that looking in from the outside, it feels that's an area that Spurs really do need to consider looking at. I mean, Eric Dyer, and again, there's no disrespect to him. I think there was a obviously a period where he was doing very very well under Conte, very consistent, and it's really been since that World Cup call we got. It seems to have gone to his head. He's lost a real lot of confidence, consistency, which obviously led to him not making the lineup at the weekend. So. 
can't blame Eric Dyer for that defeat. But um, we look at the defence we've got there. We've got, of course, uh, Jaffet Tanganga in there. To be fair to Jaffet, if we're being honest, um, hasn't ever really pushed on since, I think, his debut against Liverpool. And Jason, you obviously remember Jason very, very well, Lyle. Jason's always said that, that he's never really pushed on from that debut. Haven't really seen the best out of him. I think he desperately needs a loan, if I'm being honest, being honest Jaffet Tanganga, because he's had a real lack of, lack of game time because of injury. I know, obviously, it does seem that Tanera Spurs might look at in the summer, but if there's an opportunity at centre-back, dare I say that name, Bastoni again, you know, centre-back is that an area Spurs might look at depending on what may happen this window, or do you think it's more likely to be the summer? I think um, it's going to be the summer for that. I mean, it's obvious, obvious that Tottenham have wanted, wanted to strengthen at, at centre-back, I think, with, you know, with well, with two, I mean, really... The, the the priority was a left-footed one, which is obviously what they brought in. But I think they were also looking at right-footed ones as well. Um, you know, there's a number of names that we can go through that we mentioned. You know, obviously Bastoni and Guardiola were the sort of top two targets for the left-footed one in the summer. Both of them stayed where they are, so it's not like they missed out on them to other clubs. You know, there'll be another year ticked down on their contracts um, uh, next summer. So you know, those two names come back around. And maybe Spurs are in a better position to be able to get one of them on a permanent basis. I think Clement Longlet is a is a good, uh, a very good stopgap, and that's been probably been a little bit disrespectful to him actually, and because he is a he is a top level player, Longlet. I think he again he just needs to you know a settled run in the team, um, and I think he he could come good. Um, but they've also been looking at right right footed ones as well. I mean, there's names we mentioned in the summer that obviously they still like. People, Milan Skriniar is a player that Tottenham have looked at for a long time. We know that, and uh, they really like Mark Way at uh, Crystal Palace as well. So, um, you know, there are names that they're lo- looking at. One name on that, Lyle, if you don't mind me, like Pierre Hincapi. I think you've mentioned him before. He's one that a number of clubs are looking at as well as a, as a, a sort of younger, yeah, up, up, up coming left-footed centre half. There's, there's quite a few out there actually. I mean, left-footed centre halves are a bit of a bit of a commodity really, and, and most teams now like to have that balance of having a left footer on that side and a right footer on the right side. You know, obviously Chelsea is signing um, Badiashile. They gave a medical to Badiashile. Excuse me today. Um, and he's a left-footed one, so they're looking to bring uh, the left-footed one into there. I know Brighton are also looking at bringing a left-footed player in. Um, I think that who else are looking at left-footed one? Southampton, I think, are looking at uh, trying to get a left-footed as one as well. You know, Leeds are in the process of bringing Max Wober, who's a left-footed one from Salzburg. So, yeah, and there, there's there's plenty of good ones around there. Evan and Dika is another really good player. Uh, playing in Germany that clubs have looked at for a long time. He he'd be a talent, you know. I think I've mentioned Indigo before in the past in with a few clubs, including uh, in Spurs, and um, you know he's one to sort of keep an eye on for the future as well. I like him; he's a good player. Um, but yeah, sorry to answer your question, centre halves. Yeah, I think that's something that I'll look at in the summer. I think Conte even said the other day that he's happy with the centre half options. So I remember the the excitement I felt Lyle, when you when we were speaking about Badi Shile um, last summer as a as a target for Spurs, but look, story of our lives. Um, I, I think Spurs fans have been perhaps a little bit surprised to hear that uh, a central defensive midfielder could actually be on the on the shopping list either in January or or in the summer. You know, having brought in uh, Rodrigo Bentecourt and Yves Basuma over the last twelve months, and already with the likes of Hoybier and and Skip at our disposal, it, it has been a bit of a surprise that Frank Kessia is a name that's coming up again, as well as Weston McKenney, which I think is maybe our, our, our modern day Leandro Damio. Um, is in terms of Frank Kessia, I know there were, were uh, reports from Spain last week that we'd actually made a bid. Whether that's true or not, uh, I'm unsure. But is that a name that you've come across as one that Spurs could be targeting? 
Well, we were talking about Kessie a year ago, weren't we? Because Tottenham were trying to sign him then. So, you know, obviously they're still interested in the player. Right? I think he's one of um, he's one of Conte and one of Paratici's favourite players out there, I think, uh, from Kessie. They really tried to get him last January, but he was talking to Barcelona and obviously signed a pre-contract agreement with them last January and joined them uh, in the summer. So, um, yeah, I was surprised to see that report about Kessie as well, to be honest, because... He's been doing okay out there. I mean, he's only played half a season for Barcelona so far. So it's a bit early, I think, to be talking about him leaving already. Um, I was surprised to see that one. I'm not aware that that's necessarily on the cards at all. But um, then again, I haven't probed very deeply into that one or that name in particular just because of that so far. So, um, yeah. But, I mean, in midfield, I think Spurs do need another one, I think, to be honest. I think they need another defensive, defensively-minded one. Um, I mean, Skip, to be fair to him, he was coming through, wasn't he, in, in Conte's early days and, and, and really impressing and showing promise yeah. that he could be a first-team player. And then he got that terrible injury and he was out for a long time. And that really affects players. And, you know, he's got his work cut out trying to come back from that and getting it back into the first team. Because, like you said, you know, two new midfielders have come in, right? So, you know, he's effectively fourth choice. And um, I think as time ticks and he doesn't play, he really needs to potentially, you know, go somewhere else, maybe on loan again or something to get some more games. And maybe there's a, yeah, there's obviously a space then that Spurs need to fill. And and, and I'm sure Conte would like, you know, four top options that he can, he can uh, have at his disposal in those positions. Um, so, yeah, again, an, uh, it's a, an interesting one to, to observe, I think that position over the next uh, month, but uh, or especially leading into the summer, I'd be surprised if they do it, do something in that position this month because I'm just not aware that a player that's that's really going to improve Spurs is on the on the on the market. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Sofia and Amrabat. I mean, Tottenham have looked at him and they've been interested in him in, a, in a, him for a while. But and he's had a good World Cup, so you know you know that also also brings players onto the radar as well. So, but I'm, again, I'm not aware that Spurs are pushing for him at the moment and Amrabat. All right, what about Rabiel? Um, Lol, definitely a name that I think has come up on last one on Spurs before. Definitely. You've definitely mentioned him the last, definitely within the last five years, Lyle. Again, another name that we should keep an eye on for maybe for the summer, or is that just speculation because the agents may be linking the player? Speculation. No? Okay, fine. Um, well, like I said, we are going to do like the roundup towards the end. There's even calls to have our, having one of our own crackers at right wing back. I'm not sure how Cracks might feel about that, but based on our options there, maybe Cracks would do a good job for us, bless him. Uh, he was on <laughs> form last night for us, that's for sure. Um we have seen Conte, you know, drop that hint over the possibility of signing a forward, as Matty alluded to earlier there, um, Lyle. Now, you know, we, we have seen the likes recently of Harvey Barnes, Wilfred Zahar, Ishmael Assar, Adama Traore, get the baby oil ready, all linked. And even, I think, uh, Rens forward, Martin Terrier. Any of those names, Lyle, scream out to you as ones that we should be really keeping an observation on this, this window? <sighs> I wouldn't say so at this stage. I mean, Martin Terrier is sort of an interesting one just because he's a late bloomer in his career, Terrier, and he's at Wren and he's would be very affordable just because, again, he doesn't have that pedigree. He doesn't have that uh, that same um, fanfare behind him, um, Terrier. He's, he's, I think he's 26, I think he is, something like that. And he's sort of, he certainly hits very highly in the stats in the French league and has done for probably a couple of seasons. And 
I think maybe a lot of um, analysts and, and and people like me were thinking he might have been a bit of an, an, an anomaly, but he um, he's actually playing well again this season, Terry. Yeah, so he's an interesting one. But again, I'm not, I'm not I've not heard that Spurs are you know really hot on on doing that on doing a deal for him. Um, Zaha again, I think I mentioned it in the summer. For me, I think Zaha would be ideal. You've always said that, I and mean, you've always said that in the last one. I suppose that you always feel Zaha is. Would be I'm, I'm a generally a big, big Wilf Zaha yeah. fan. I think he's a yeah. top player. I think he deserves to have a shot at playing for a top club. I know he's sort of coming towards, I don't want to say the end of his career, but he's 30 now. So I think that I think the age thing is what. Well, I know is the age. Would he fit a Conte team low in terms of you know we we'll, we think when Conte wants and does have the eleven that he wants, you do you imagine they're quite a. A pressing team that would want to obviously like push on, and I don't know if yeah. Zaha's always coming to the end of. Yeah, I think that's maybe one question mark over his game, but certainly hitting on the counter attack. I mean, I can't think of many better players really. I mean, I know sometimes Zaha's end product can feel a bit wasteful, but he's actually scores plenty of goals from his position and is is a real threat. I mean, that goal he scored away at Liverpool earlier this season, I just watched that and just thought, well, how can you not want that in your team? You know. The finish was sublime, and and it was he's got his his game has really developed. Um, you know, he's a lot more calm in his decision making than he used to be. You know, a little less sort of uh, explosive, maybe a little less expo- explosive as he used to be, but now more measured. He knows the game now. He's you know he, he reads the game very well, uh, and I think he would be a real asset um, to be honest. But I think. The only way that Spurs would look at that would potentially be on a free in the summer, just because of his age. Um, I'd be surprised again if they do that now. Ishmael Asar, you mentioned. I've not heard Spurs been looking actively on him. Okay. Um, who's the other one you mentioned? You mentioned Adama Traore. How can we forget? Oh, Adama Adama. Okay. I think that's yeah. been in God's list. Yeah, I think many will be relieved of that one. Um, Harvey Barnes is an interesting one because a player. Sorry, yes, Harvey Barnes is an interesting one actually because again he takes those similar boxes to um, to. Uh, Anthony Gordon and Jack Harrison was the other one that Spurs were very interested in in the summer. Jack Harrison from Leeds. Um, another one to keep an eye on, I think, generally in those if those positions because he was definitely high on the list last summer, Jack Harrison was. Um, and Harvey Barnes is another one, isn't he, in, in that sort of, that 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 mould, you know, that similar position, uh, young and up-and-coming, English, homegrown. Um, so, yeah, again, he ticks, ticks a lot of boxes, but I think... Um, I'm personally, I'm not sure Harvey Barnes is quite there yet. I mean, I think he's, he's been impressed a little bit more lately, hasn't he? But whether he's at, well, there's an argument that, that he's at a similar level to Harrison and, uh, and and Gordon, maybe, but I still think that Gordon and, and Harrison are better players than Barnes. Personally, that's certainly my personal opinion. Okay, Matty, let's show we, um I tell you what, we'll move the show over to we'll move the show over to some some of the players that we've got in terms of the the midfield that we've touched upon. I think like I say we've got in terms of youth players and prospects, obviously it does feel like uh, Pat Matasar is one that you mentioned. I'll probably as things stand at the moment, do, do you think there'll be any movement on him this month? Because there are some players in that squad that probably feel they need alone, the likes of Saar, maybe Harvey White, Alfie Devine. I mean, I think this was the frustration yesterday that when you looked at the um the bench at Tottenham. You know, there was not a single attacking player on there. And you just think, you know, Conte's almost message to the board, maybe that he hasn't got options on there. Well, could it have been a massive 
could have been a massive issue to put maybe someone on there from the youth. I just wonder. I mean, again, it would have given those a bit of confidence and also at the same time showing he's a little bit more flexible that he would maybe consider them. But it does feel with Conte that unless you're actually ready-made and you're proven, you're not going to get too many chances here. So I just wonder for the likes of Saar, for Harvey White, for Alfie Devine, um, even Brian Hill, do you think these guys are likely going to be looking for moves this window? I think if Spurs bring one in an attacking position, I think, I think it's very likely that Brian Hill will be able to go on loan, I think. Obviously, that was on the cards in the summer. Um, we've touched on Spence already, haven't we? You know, Divine and White, I think they do need loans. They're obviously, they need development loans as part of their, their long-term strategy. So I won't be surprised to see them them get loans as well. Matt Arsar is an interesting one because I think Conte sort of bigged him up recently, didn't he? And said he was very impressed with him in uh, in training while they had the, the World Cup break. Sorry, not after he came back from the World Cup because he came back earlier, didn't he? I think than, than a lot of other players. And um, he was able to to showcase what he can do a little bit. Um, and um, I think that for Matt Arsar, alone would be the right thing, in my opinion. But I don't think that... Um, I'm not sure necessarily know whether it's on the cards or not, to be honest. Um, look, moving on to a few players that... Um, Tottenham got rid of in, in the summer and they're looking at maybe getting rid of again in January and potentially getting rid of again in the summer um, as we, we struggle to find permanent moves for the likes of Joe Roden, Giovanni Lo Celso and Tongi and Dembele. Um, look at the front of Joe Roden, there's there's talk that that loan move could be could be called short because of the lack of game time he's getting over Ren uh, with Giovanni Lo Celso. We, we've known really since the move happened that there is a clause within that deal that would allow Tottenham to, to cancel that loan if you were to get an offer for the player in January. And with uh, Tongi and Dembele, uh, Napoli hold an option to, to purchase him for 30 million euro as part of that deal where they loaned him in the summer. Do you think we're going to see any movement on, on any of those three in the January window? Um, I've been doing a little bit of probing around on and Dombele and La Celso recently just to see if they are, have any intentions, any of those clubs on doing any permanent deals for them or activating those options. Um, and I'm told, no, not, not at the moment. That's something they're more likely to look at in the summer. I'm not sure about Joe Rodon. I'm not really sure. I've not really been paying much attention, to be honest, on what he's been doing recently and how he's been getting on, actually. He's sort of fallen off the radar a little bit um, for, for me. But but my, the questions I've asked about whether Napoli were, you know, are going to look to talk to Spurs about making that permanent this month is actually no, it's something they'll look at in the summer. So, yeah, not right now. Which I think it might be a shame for Spurs because I think actually doing permanent deals on them on them that might suit them actually give them a little bit more money to play within yeah. the market themselves. I think they probably like that. That would probably yeah. work in their favour. But you know, I think it's uh, just generally I think clubs are a little bit averse to doing that when they know they've got the option until the summer because anything could happen with that player between then and now. They could activate the option and then he has a terrible injury and he's out for a long time and then that leaves the club in a situation where they've just bought a player who's now injured. You know, so you know, a lot can happen between the back end of the season. So. We are going to touch upon. No, that, that's absolutely fine. We are going to say touch upon some more players towards the end. We're just uh, conscious, maybe on on contract law where we stand. I mean, we have heard reports about well, a good four or five weeks ago that Spurs were potentially looking to planning to offer Eric Dyer and Pierre Mirhoibier new contracts. Is that something you've maybe heard is happening behind the scenes at all? Contracts for potentially Eric Dyer and Pierre Mirhoibier? Not heard that personally. No. Okay. I'm not, I'm not aware of that. That doesn't okay. necessarily happening but I've not heard that myself okay I'm sure Matty's one's probably been very very linked to our manager at the moment I'll let you take this one Matty yeah it's uh it's Harry Kane and the, the conversation we're having every every season at this point um look we, we all know what happened with, with Harry Kane last summer and that, that failed move to Manchester City you know he, he said himself that 
he's not really going to stick around at Spurs just for the sake of it. If we're if we're not matching his ambition, he is, I think, rightfully going to look elsewhere to to see if there's another club that can that can bring him where uh, where he wants to be. Again, uncertainty around whether or not Kane will, will sign a new contract. Uncertainty about whether or not talks have have been initiated. Do you have any update on a potential contract for for Harry Kane? And I suppose that that link the link that we're expecting between uh, Kane and Conte's future. No, I mean, there's no update as far as I'm aware at the moment. Um, you know, I'm not aware that anything's imminent on that. Um, and I think that, you know, while there's still plenty of uncertainty around about a few things, you know, I don't I don't see why, if you're Harry Kane, that you would necessarily commit to a new contract at this point. Obviously, um, like you said, with, with you know, with uncertainty hanging over the manager as well and, and his contract and how long he's going to be staying around for. I don't think Harry Kane's desire to fight for... The top trophies is, is, I think, it's undiminished. Really, I think it's just as strong as it's always been. Um, so he will be wanting to have, you know, seek assurances and, and know where the club is headed this summer um, with the manager and all those kinds of things. I think before where they are and, and whether in the Champions League or not and that kind of thing before he makes a decision on his future, which would only be the right thing to do, right? So that's where it's at, at the moment. I wouldn't expect any developments on that, to be honest, um, in the short term. Uh, it, it, it does feel mad. I mean, I say when I think about it, we ask you about the, the players' contracts. Again, I, I can't help but say this, that, and this is representative of a lot of the comments tonight, that we're well aware of, look, we've got about 900 of you watching us live at the moment. And again, it's impossible to reflect and not say how downbeat the mood is right now. And again, like I say, Lyle from the outside gave us that almost opinion that Spurs aren't far away from the top four. It just feels that at the moment, everything around the club... Um, just feel so toxic at the moment. And we really hope that a result against Palace will change the mood. And if we do bring Lyle back on before the end of the month, although I'm thinking after this, he'll probably well, turn his phone off. What I should say as well is, actually, I don't think the mood is toxic in the club. I think the That's mood is toxic among the fans, but I don't get gauged that the mood is toxic inside the club. I mean, if you think about what the club has been through over the last few years, there has been times when the mood has been toxic, and it's definitely not now. I mean, if you look at the way that the team is actually... I mean, the, the performances have been flat, but... I think that to a large extent, you, there's not that much question over the commitment that they're giving. There's more question of the quality that they're producing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you, you'll know better than me because you just watch more minutes of Spurs than me, yeah. where, whether certain players are not as, you know, actually committed on the field. But they seem to be, to me, they just seem to be some of them not good enough, that's all, or not, not at that top level, right? Yep. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, look, as far as, Harry Kane's um, future being tied to the manager. I think Harry Kane's future is tied to performances, really, of the team and where where the team and the club the club is at come the end of the season and being in the Champions League or not. I mean, obviously, you're going to want to work with top managers. Yep. Um, and you know, I think them bringing Antonio Conte in went a long way to keeping Kane when they did. I mean, as much as that was also holding firm on their valuation of Kane as well, and not giving in to the interest in the, in the offers from Manchester City at the time. It was also, they, I think, keeping Kane, not just keeping Kane at the club, but also keeping Kane happy at the club, um, needed a top manager to come in um, and, and show them that they would be competing up with the top and there or thereabouts. And he got the team back into the Champions League, right? And there was no, there was yeah. no, there was no talk of Kane leaving in the summer, just gone, because they were yeah. playing Champions League football. So... We come to we come to this summer and Tottenham in the in the Champions League. Then, you know, I'm sure a new contract would be very much part of the equation. But um, yeah, there's still so much to play out before then.
There is. I mean, one thing we should always say is that, look, I mean, whoever the manager is, which sounds bizarre me saying that, I mean, there should always be a case of forward planning in terms of looking at what we've got as a squad and taking into account that certain players' contracts are coming towards an end. The likes of Lucas Mora, who um, I think he's got about a year and a half left now. I mean, there's been strong links to him that he may go to Sao Paulo. I mean, maybe go back to his boyhood club in Brazil. And I think potentially for uh, Lucas Mora, hasn't had a huge amount of game time recently. Um, so you would imagine there's going to be a, again, I might be to do, you'll definitely be able to tell me more about this than I can, but there might be a case that we're supposed to be looking to forward plan. I mean, Hugo Lloris, again, his error that led to the goal yesterday. You'd like to think Spurs are already trying to look at who is going to be the higher to his throne, the succession to Hugo Lloris. Um, we have heard reports that Spurs are maybe looking behind the scenes at signing a couple of centre-backs, one for the left and maybe another one centrally and on the right for the summer and also looking at potentially Lloris's replacement in the summer. Is that something you would imagine Spurs are looking at doing behind the scenes now, given what we're seeing in terms of performances from Lloris, who, to be fair, look, saved a huge amount of points for Tottenham Lloris during his time at the club. But most recently, I think it does feel Hugo is on the decline. And that's no disrespect to his quality, but it's also the age, it's the nature of the league. It's also, I think, with Conte's system, to play out from the back, he, to me, doesn't feel comfortable to do that as a goalkeeper. It's not what his skill set is, right? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, I think actually just on that point that play, his playing out from the back has been okay recently. I know he's had errors in the past. His errors recently it seems to have been, you know, handling the ball and errors leading to goals. I mean, he's he's the player in the Premier League that's caused the most number of errors leading directly to goals so far with, I think, three. Um, which doesn't sound like a huge amount, but then again, you know, that's three goals that can change results, right? Listen, Hugo Lloris has been a superb um, goalkeeper in world football and one of Tottenham's best ever signings. You know, uh, there's a huge argument for him being, what, yeah, one of, if not the, the not not the best player Tottenham have brought in from abroad, um, considering how many games he's played and the level he's played at and what he's produced for the club as ca- and as captain. I mean, he, he should go down as a Tottenham legend. But in this industry... And this game, you have to be pretty brutal and pretty shrewd, but especially when it comes to turnover of your squad. And when a player is on the decline, there's no real room for that sentiment, really. Because when you let that sentiment affect your decision-making, then results can suffer. Um, so I think, in my opinion, I think we're getting towards the time now where Tottenham need to find their next Hugo Lloris. You know, they need to find their, their next number one goalkeeper for the next, um, you know, four, five, six years. Um, I think that's why we've seen some links as well to Jordan Pickford recently, um, because I think they're, they're, you know, starting to think about that there may be time to do that as well come the summer. But, um, yeah, I mean, as well, Hugo Reese has had a very long, illustrious career and won World Cups and got to World Cup final again recently, so... It's a travesty, Lyle, that he is... Uh, listen, his career isn't over yet. It will be a travesty if he leaves Tottenham without anything to show for his time here. I know he's done really well. He's won the World Cup, but it's just terrible in terms of... the. Well, if, I'm, if I'm being shrewd, actually, I would say that the travesty is that Tottenham haven't brought in another goalkeeper that's been consistently ready to come in for Lloris when he's not been playing as well. That's, fair. that's the travesty yeah. for me. No, you're right. That's fair. I mean, listen, we had, got... If I was to be critical, I think Tottenham have had over the last however many years a lot of different managers and a lot of different transfer windows to be able to line up those successes to certain positions, including the goalkeepers. But it feels like there's been, been too many stop gaps along the way. You know, you've had Gazaniga, you've had 
I mean, Vaughan was, Vaughan was a great number two for a long time because he pushed. I mean, I think I said this many, many times. One of the great things about Michel Vaughan was not, not just that he was willing to sit on the bench and not complain about it, but he was also pushing Hugo Lloris in training to be the best that he could possibly be. So they had that intensity in training and they got on really, really well and had a great partnership. And, you know, that was another reason why they brought him back out of an emergency when they had the injury to, I forget who it was, but... Um, but then they had Joe Hart and Gazaniga. Now they got Fraser Forster. So you know, you just it, it feels like they've just sort of gone. Well, yeah, let's just get a number two in who's experienced and doesn't mind sitting on the bench. And you know, I mean, if you look around at other clubs, they're starting to bring in three. They have three goalkeepers now. They're starting yeah. to have three, three options um, where they can of having two elite goalkeepers that are pushing each other for for the position. Um, and uh, you know, a number uh, a number three as well. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, yeah, the goalkeeper department is something that Spurs will need to look at in the long run. I think probably in the summer, not now. Yeah, I think that's that, that's a brilliant quiz question. Which goalkeepers did Tottenham sign when Lloris was there? So when you, you, you yeah, how many how many number twos has Lloris played with? Is probably a, a yeah. great quiz question. Yeah. You'd easily forget <laughs> about Paul Lopez, who's obviously got off doing, doing wonderful things for himself in Europe as well. Um, yeah. But like, there's one question that I, that I always love asking at the end of these shows, and it's mainly to see the the illustrious guest that we have squirm a little bit as he uh, tries to come up with the, the right number. But how, how many players do you expect Tottenham to to bring in before the, the bell rings on the uh, 31st of January? Uh, I think I think we can expect one. Um, two would be a, probably a pleasant surprise for Spurs fans. But, um, Those at I mean, the bar brought- too high, love. They brought, yeah, I know. God, <laughs> Dizzy, God, nice overwhelmed about, about to fall off my chair, Elal. <laughs> they brought in two last uh, last January, didn't they? So it's it's um, they are looking to use January the, the January window more than they have done in the past. But that's just yep. because of the work that needs to be done in the squad. So um, okay. yeah, it's going to be an interesting month ahead, and I'm I'm looking forward to to you know tackling it and trying to find out um, what's going on and try and let you guys know that um, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be fun. Will it be fun for us? <laughs> Is it ever fun for yeah, us? Do we, ever, do, do we ever come here happy with you? Like, I feel like always, <laughs> it's always like we come with a, with a sense of aggression. Like, you know, can yeah, you give yeah. us something? Um, yeah, what something. I'm going to do is, I am just going to quickly allow, guys, if you want to send any names that we haven't asked yet, feel free to send those names through. Them. And I've just got one question for Lyle, if like I say, before we do that. Um, Lyle, I suppose Matt touched upon there how many we're going to sign. Uh, maybe I've got a question to ask you. I'm not sure if you can answer this. Um with who we are going to sign, are they? Is Conte going to be happy with that? Do you think he? Do you think he will be happy with what Spurs will do in this window? Probably a difficult question to answer, but one I'd like to know your opinion on, maybe rather than any information. Well, I think we've got it. I don't think they're going to bring anybody in that he's, he's not going to want. I mean, that's just not going to happen. That's, that's not... I, I say that because clearly Spence is a player that, no offence, he obviously didn't want because he obviously hasn't played and he's a club yeah, signing. That's why I asked that question. Again, it's not. As, I don't think it's as black and white as that. I think it's it's. Um, he understood the club's position, has understood the club's club's position, and, and and said okay to it because he because he 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 understood that the club also wanted to bring in young players to develop, and he is a great coach to develop players as well. And so I think that, like I said, it's a balancing act, and I think that both sides agreed that you know that that, that the club agreed okay, you know if we, if you, if you want us to commit money to thirty three year old Ivan Perisic on a free. Uh, into his wages and bringing a player like that who's obviously aging and there's no real sort of resale value necessary on him and things like that then okay you know we'll bring you the experienced players that you want to go at it now but we also want to bring in young players to develop as well and I think both sides agreed with that um so 
but in terms of now, you know, I think they will look to to get in players that Conte wants and will be able to use now to kick Tottenham back up into the into the top four. I mean, as perverse as it kind of sounds, it actually suits Conte, I think, or suits it certainly it it, it, it helps the argument for bringing in more players that Spurs have dropped out of the top four just before the transfer window opens. Do you know what I mean? It's like the table doesn't lie and and, and people do use that to justify or help the arguments for what they're going to do and bring players in right. So Tottenham in fifth position just outside the, the top four is a stronger argument for bringing in new players and improving the team than being in the top four already, right? You know, we've dropped out, we're sliding, performances are sliding. We yeah. need to do something to arrest that. Let's go and bring some players in. That, you know, this is this situation actually sort of plays into into the hands of of anybody who would want to bring in bring in more players in the window. Actually, you know, because because um, certainly obviously the results on the table don't lie. So you know, if Spurs were sitting pretty in second and chasing down Arsenal, then you know they might feel they're in less need of of investing at this point and can save it for the summer. But I think. Um, you know, the, the fact that results have been sliding and they are where they are, it, it puts them in a position where they can say, OK, yeah, we need to go and do something. Yeah, Lo, I promise you, interrogation is just about to end. I'm going to uh, grab a couple of names in. Feel free, Matt, if I've missed any here. Um, we've seen a few names coming through. I think uh, the Rise one, Ferran Torres, Harry Maguire. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be cheering me up or making me feel worse. <laughs> any looks to them? I think these are players that people just want, is it? They, they, I, I would imagine these are a mixture of players that this is. I mean, the Vrij worked on under, under Conte before. Um, yes, and we know he likes him a lot. Yeah, yeah, another right footer. Um, yeah, another good player. But there's two right footers that are good at, at uh, Inter, and I think Scrignon they like more than the right. Okay. The other one you mentioned was. I'm trying to remember myself. Harry Maguire. Ferran Torres. Oh, Ferran Torres. Ferran yeah. Torres. No, I think Ferran Torres is very happy where he is. Well, I don't blame I think... him. I wish I was Ferran Torres. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if Harry Maguire was the one that you said like, yes to, like, I, I, would, I wouldn't have been back on the channel. I, I couldn't deal with that. Um, there, oh, really you might like there. to know, I, mentioned, I think I may have mentioned it before, that back when he was at Hull and he moved to Leicester, there was a lot of reports Tottenham were looking to sign him. Um, and I think that the, there was some interest from a few people at the club then. Um, and, but what I knew at the time is that Pochettino didn't rate him at that point. Didn't well, say didn't rate him. I think he he didn't think that he was the right defender for him. It, I think he didn't think that he could play uh, play with the ball well enough for him. And obviously Tottenham didn't go and sign him. And now in hindsight, you could potentially say that well, it may have been the right decision. Who knows? I think yeah. Harry Maguire and that high line that Pochettino played as well would have been. Uh, yeah, a, a disaster. Um, I'll tell you what, Matt, you might, hang, around, Matt, hang around, Matt, give it six months, you might see it. I'm not even joking. <laughs> you think I'm do. joking. I'm not actually joking. Yeah. Any names you want to fire there, uh, Matt? Or, any names you want to fire Lowell? Can we let the interrogation in, Matt? Uh, there's a few I just, I just want to read. Just a, a few more attacking players. Like the ones that, to be honest, I, I haven't seen linked in the media, but they've just caught my eye. There's uh, Karu Matoma from Brighton. There's Ilman Ndi from Sheffield United and Mohamed Kudus from Ajax, who I think was linked a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. Uh, I haven't heard any of those names um, mentioned with Spurs. Um, Kudus is a good player, though. Uh, Everton looked at him quite strongly in the summer. I think they wanted to do it, but I think uh, Ajax wouldn't let him go because they sold Anthony, so that they weren't prepared to sell another yeah. one. Um, but, yeah, he's a good player. Ending it on Porro, if we can, then, Lyle. So, obviously, you said earlier, just to kind of, just for any new listeners that are coming, we've got about 900 of you watching us live here. Obviously, Lyle, you announced at the top of the show that as things stands at the moment, Spurs have called their interest. It's one that they may revisit. Do you think 
as that window ticks down, it seems a lot is going to be dependent on obviously Spurs moving on one of those three they've currently got there in terms, of, as you said earlier, Emerson Royale, Matt Doherty, Jed Spence. Do you think he'll be a Spurs player come the end of the Make window? Sure yeah, what do you think? Just to finish on that. Depends with the, uh, I think the Sporting Lisbon need to um, be a bit more flexible, I think, on their, their terms on this and their, and their, their demands for this, um, this release clause. I think it sounds like they are, I mean, just my assessment of the market, it sounds like they're being a bit, a little bit unrealistic, actually. Um, and so um, if that happens, then, then, then maybe, then maybe let's see, let's see. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, you have to remember as well, I'm going to talk in more general terms here. I'm not saying this is necessarily the case for Porro, but when Premier League clubs are interested in players on the continent, it suits everybody on the, you know, wherever that country might be for everybody to know that the Premier League clubs are interested in because the Premier League clubs are the sort of the top echelon at the moment, yep. right? The, the yep. most money is the most elite league in the world. So if you're looking to add valuation to your player and add interest to your player and, 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 and you know, and big him up, if there's a, if there's, Premier League clubs that come making inquiries about your players, you're going to make the most of that situation, you know? So you're going to see a lot of noise about it. And I think that's been the case for Porro. I think that's been the case for a little bit for Enzo Fernandez recently. I mean, great player. Yeah. Would be great in the Premier League, but things tend to be exaggerated, I think, a little bit. There's, it's, it's always, I'm always very sceptical when I see stories about, and again, I'm not talking specifically about this Porro situation at the moment, but when I see all of a sudden advanced talks for this player it's about to happen it's close you know and we're one day into the window um and it's coming out of, and it's, it's coming out of Tottenham you definitely know it's skeptical <laughs> I mean I've got to be skeptical it's my job to be skeptical it's my job yes, to sit yeah, there and yeah. go mm, hang on a second that doesn't sound quite right that sounds like somebody really 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 wants it to happen or a few people really really want it to happen and they're using you know as much uh, uh you know uh, as much uh, as they can to 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 railroad that that deal into happening, and there is plenty of that that goes on, right? But it's part of our job to try to decipher, you know, that what pick out what is actually happening out of that yeah. um, hyperbole, right? Or hyperbole? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I don't envy you, Lyle. Like I say the job you got now, especially with the way in which probably you know the way it's changing the industry. I know we spoke about this in person when I was with you um, during the, <laughs> the summer window, which feels now such a long time ago. Um, mm. it, it, it's a, obviously the job you have now. It's it, it's changed in so many different ways to what it was seven eight years ago. Just the way the nature. Yeah, everybody's a, everybody's a transfer expert now, aren't they? On uh, you mm. know, everybody's got the the platform to convey themselves as somebody who's in the know, or somebody who's got sources, or somebody who's reporting on transfers. Um, and you know, it, it's very easy to get caught up in the excitement of it, or it's very easy to get swept away by, you know so much speculation on social media or on other other websites that this deal is going to happen and that deal is going to happen and don't get me wrong you know that's all part of the transfer market that's all, all it's all great fun and in, in the speculation of it is what sort of drives football forward as a as an entity right it's a real, it's, it's still a really important part of it but at the same time a lot of it is just noise and you know it's it's you still need to have good journalists around. I'm not, I'm not talking about myself necessarily. I'm just talking about the nature of the industry itself. There are lots of good journalists out there who do that, who do have the contacts, who have the relationships, 
um, you know, the trustworthy relationships with people that they can pick up the phone to or shoot a text off to or whatever and say, is this right? Is there anything in this? Is there, is, is this correct? You know, what's, what's actually true out of this that, or what isn't true out of this? Or, I mean, in an ideal world, obviously you want to be in a position where you have a good idea of what clubs plans and intentions are. So where you can see something and you say, well, actually I know that that isn't right. Or I know that that, that, that is something that I can ignore and not waste time on trying to, to corroborate because I've already got a good idea of what, what the club wants to do or what the player wants to do. That's the ideal situation, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it is, um, basically, again, I, look, I'm not going to lie. I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy doing that. I enjoy yeah. picking the bones out of things. Well, mate, listen, we, we love having you on. Although sometimes when you come and you must think, do they really enjoy this? We do enjoy it. Bearing in mind just uh, how painful <laughs> I hope people watching also enjoy it a little bit as well. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Like I say, it's uh, never ending with Tottenham. It's never ending. Lol, thank you so much. It's probably finally for you. Where can people check and obviously keep an eye on what's going to be happening during this January window? Where can they keep an eye on everything you're going to be reporting? Sky Sports News, Channel 409, uh, or online, obviously, skysports.com. In our transfer centre especially, the transfer centre is the place to go. That's where all our transfer news will go. Um, that's really the place that you want to be checking all the time. Obviously, we also uh, you know, aggregate um, the best or the most reliable of what we think is being reported elsewhere as well at the same time to try and give you know people more of a well-rounded overall view of what's going on and what other people are reporting as well. You know, like I said, there are other great journalists out there that are worth following and listening to. Um, and, uh, and obviously you can, yeah, follow Sky Sports News and myself on, on, on social media, Twitter as well. So in particular is where I put all my, my sports news stories. So yeah. Perfect. Here's to another month of fun and games. To another month of fun and games. Lyle, hopefully we'll catch up with you before the end of the month as well. Um, Matty, look, we opened the window with Lyle. Lots to come on last one on Spurs. Let's hope we've uh, got something to celebrate right come the end of it. Oh yeah, I've, I've no doubt. I've no doubt we're going to get every player that we could put. No, um, yeah. Look, it, it's it's going to be um, another interesting window. That's for sure. Um, there's definitely going to be, uh, uh, like Lyle said, uh, well, we can say definitely, but there, I think there'll definitely be at least one player coming in. So uh, it's going to be fun uh, talking about it and kind of you know working through the the, the mod that we're going to be seeing and some of course some fantastic guests on the show. And we're keen looking forward to uh, another month on here with you. So hopefully it's a absolutely it's a good mate. Totally agree. Well, listen, from Matty, from Lyle, from myself, guys, please, as always, keep safe, keep well, keep the faith. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.